Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. I'm Talbot Davis. I'm the pastor here, and uh, a lot of you are gathering together live, and others of you are live stream. However, you're connecting with us. As always, I'm super glad to be able to connect back with you. And as the video said, this is the very first Sunday of a series called Learning Curve, where we uh, take a deep dive into Jesus and his uh, 12 closest followers and, and what he was teaching them about being apprentices to him. The first message is this in the series is called you want answers I want the truth you can't handle the truth with uh, props to Jack Nicholson for all of that but to help us dig into the message if you have your Bible with you I want to invite you to open your Bible to the gospel of Mark chapter 8 verses 27 through 29 and maybe your Bible looks like this or maybe it's loaded on your phone either way that you located is okay and and maybe you don't have a Bible that looks like this, and maybe it's not on your phone. Uh, that's okay as well. we'll we're going to put the words up on the screen, and we go to those links. We invite you, encourage you to, to have your own encounter with Scripture. Just because we believe a couple of things about the Bible at this church that you may not have ever heard, or, or others of you, you've heard it a lot. But we've just decided these are things that's valuable for us to keep telling ourselves. And one of those things is that although this looks like a book, it's actually a library collection of a lot of books written by a lot of authors over a long span of time. And the Gospel of Mark, you may not know this, the Gospel of Mark is located in the section of the library that, that we would call biography section. Four biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, one biography one subject, Jesus. And that's just a fact. A lot of people don't know it, but it, it, it is a fact. Not book is library. The second thing that we remind ourselves about at, at this place is, is that in leadership here, you may not agree with this yet, or, or you may be, when I say what I'm going to say, you may be like, thank you, a church who says it and believes it and repeats it. But wherever you are on that spectrum, again, is okay. But, but in leadership here, we believe there's no other library like this on planet earth that God breathed his life into its words. He put his truth onto its pages. And the Bible really is inspired and eternal and true. And because of that shared conviction, we do something a little bit strange when we talk about the Bible at this church. We lift it up in the air. And if, and if you haven't been here before, you've never tuned in before, and there's phones and Bibles in the air, and you're just like, this is kind of strange. People are strange. And we admit it. Yep, this is odd. But, but we've discovered this is a moment. You'll, you'll get used to it. Because <laughs> this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community where a collection of people joyfully surrender to the authority of the word and ready for its power to be unleashed in our lives. Amen? Let's pray. So God, thank you. Thank you that your Holy Spirit inspired Mark, just an incomparable literary genius to convey the truth of Jesus. And I ask that that same Holy Spirit would fill me from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head with exactly, exactly what the community gathered together needs today. I'm powerless without you. Thank you, Lord. Because of you, I'm never helpless. Amen. Well, we uh, are, are going to start out this message, and in fact, this whole series. 
with a little bit of Jeopardy. Can I have an amen for Jeopardy together? And, and we're even gonna do it like they do it on Jeopardy, which means that we're gonna start out with the easier questions and then as the question, like, like they do on Jeopardy, and then we'll move to some more challenging questions like they do on, wait for it, double Jeopardy. And, and I'll call out the, 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 give the clue and you've got to call out the answer, but you got to do it in the form of a question, okay? Or we'll just X you out of the game. You, you, you ready for this? So starting out in, in, in the category, the category of the Carolinas. This city is the capital of North Carolina. Raleigh. I, some of you just said Raleigh and you're out. It's... <laughs> What is Raleigh? I told you we were starting with the easier questions. Now, second question. In the category of New Testament, this is the shortest of the four gospels. Not bad. You, go, you must go to church where they lift the Bible up or something. Yeah, what is Mark? In the category of the Old Testament, this is the collective name for the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The well, I was thinking, and since I'm the judge, what is the Pentateuch, but also what is the Torah is perfectly acceptable. Both, both of those count. Yes, okay. And getting a little more challenging now in the category of, go ahead and put the next one up, of overall popular phrases. If you know the procedure, you know this, also a tool. I heard it. Some genius is over there. What is the drill? You know the drill if you, ha, huh. tell me that wasn't worth coming to church for already. In the category of world geography, this is the number of countries that border Russia. Whoa, murmur, 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 guess, guess, guess. 12, seven, I'm hearing all, but I'm not hearing many what is, is by the way. <laughs> and the answer is, what is 14? Huh? And that's the way it goes with all of these questions. You got Jeopardy, you got double Jeopardy, you got questions you know easily, you, you got questions that are frankly impossible. And let's admit it, that last one about the number of countries bordering Russia, that was too hard even for final Jeopardy, wasn't it? You, you just got all of these questions. And the thing is about these questions and most questions in general, that if, if you get it right, it's like, yeah, you just called me a genius. And if, if you get it wrong, it's, well, well, that's okay. I wish I'd gotten it right, but, but there's kind of no big deal. I got it wrong because after all, who cares exactly how many countries border Russia anyway? Well, <laughs> turns out now like everybody in the whole world cares, cares about that, do they not? But, but questions, questions asked, questions answered. I, 
our whole lives revolve around questions asked and, and questions answered. In fact, they propel not only our lives, they propel the, the entire world. I mean, can you imagine being Alexa? Poor girl has to answer questions all day long. How exhausting that must be. Because we started asking questions and we started answering questions from the very earliest. I mean, even in school, like the little boy goes for test goes to school for a test that he's not really prepared for and so he starts looking over at his neighbors and copying and finally she turns to him and whispers why are you copying off of me I'm just guessing anyway questions asked questions answered and 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 you know this the questions increase in intensity do they not Will, will you go out with me will you go steady with me Will you take the relationship to the next level? Will you marry me? Actually, in the ceremony itself, will you take this man or will you take this woman to be your spouse? And as you think back over your life, some of you gave exactly the wrong answers to those questions and others of you are the reason someone else gave the wrong answers to those questions. But so much of life revolves around this whole scenario of questions asked and questions answered. And for the most part, in most situations, we can recover from some wrong answers. Because after all, there's always another question on Jeopardy. There's always another test we can take. For a lot of us, even relationally, there's other new relationships out there. Questions asked and questions answered. And by and large, we can get past every wrong answer we ever give. And it's so interesting that as we start this series on learning curve and as we dig down deeply into the gospel of Mark, chapter eight in particular, where we're gonna be parking and, 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 and savoring for the next several weeks, it's so interesting how everything hinges, pivots on a question. Actually, two questions, one a softball and one a hardball. When I say softball, come on, Girls softball players, I'm not meaning this kind of softball pitch because I know those are really fast. I mean men's softball. So softball and (laughs) hardball, because I've seen a few of those other kind of, these kind of softball games, softball and hardball. But before we get to that, you you need to know that in in the larger scale, the entire gospel of Mark has, has itself been propelled by this question, who is Jesus, who is this man? And, and this is uh, hard for a lot of us to get as we read, read the Gospel of Mark as modern readers, because we know who he is. We, we've been around for a while. And as the Gospel of Mark opens, the demons know who Jesus is. The reader knows who Jesus is. But the characters in the story, they don't know. Jesus' inner circle does not know who he is. And the whole Gospel of Mark is this kind of this unfolding drama that answers that question. Well, just who is this guy? And take a look at this particular section, chapter 8 and verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea, Philippi. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. Now, why 
Why that note of geography? Why does, why does Mark have to tell us exactly where this conversation happened? What, what does geography have to do with the story anyway? And the answer is only everything. You see, Caesarea Philippi, the, this, the villages around the city of Caesarea Philippi, was about 25 miles north and west of Galilee, where Jesus was from, and, 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 and about as far from Jerusalem, which is the capital of Israel, as far from Jerusalem as you could be and still be in Israel. And through the years, through the centuries, this region, Caesarea Philippi, had, had been, for really for lack of a better word, it had been a hot zone for idol worship. It, it was a region known for the idols who were worshiped there and the religions that were practiced there. Like long, long time before Jesus ever showed up, the original inhabitants of that land, we, we would call them Canaanites, so the whole region is Canaan. They worshiped a God, a fertility God called Baal, B-A-A-L. And if you're from north of the Mason-Dixon line, that's a one-syllable Baal. If you're from south of the Mason, Baal, it's a two-syllable word, whatever. They, they worship this fertility God, Baal. And, and that whole region was known as being this hot zone for worshiping Baal. Well, ultimately the Canaanites, the original inhabitants, and, and we know in the Old Testament, you may or may not know this, either way is okay. But the Jews themselves, whose fundamental commandment was, don't have any other gods other than me. There's only one God, don't put another God in my place. The Jews themselves were always tempted to go worship Baal. And, and they succumbed to that temptation over and over and over again. Well, ultimately, the Greeks came in. And they conquered Canaan, and instead of worshiping the Canaanite god Baal there, Caesarea Philippi, that region became known for the worship of Pan. In fact, they re that, that's what they called their fertility god. And in, in fact, they renamed the, the city Pania. I think we have it up on the screen for you. They, they actually, Pania, and that's, that's where we get the word Panera. Actually, it's not. I just made it up. I want, I want, I, I, you know, I, it's too perfect not to make up. It is not where we get Panera. But it was, <laughs> but, uh, and Panera is open on Sundays, unlike Chick-fil-A. So, but here's the, here's the, the cool thing, the interesting thing about Baal and Pan is, is that both the Greeks and the Canaanites, they thought that their fertility gods spent the winter months in hibernation. There are all these caves around Caesarea Philippi and they, okay, God, Pan, God, Baal went there to take, a, like a bear, a good long slumber in the winter months. And then when spring rolled around, the gods woke up and they had loving on their minds. And, and so the, the worship of these fertility gods, because you, you want to make sure your fields were fertile. And the worship of the fertility gods, I don't know how to say this delicately, it, in, it involved acts of human fertility with prostitutes, whether it was the Canaanites or whether it was the Greeks. And, and I don't care how good your band is, it's really hard to top that for a worship service. And so, so many people were succumbed to it. So now you know it's not just a hot zone for idols, but it was like the red light district for idol worshipers. 
So you start out with Canaanites and then came the Greeks. And after the Greeks, if you know anything about world history or the world that the New Testament was written in, then come the Romans because they conquer Greek. And so they occupy Canaan land. And, and there, uh, when the Romans took over, there was a, a Roman governor and his name was Philip. And he had this great humility. He's like, I don't like name, naming that city Pania after all. He had this great humility and he decided to name the city after himself. It was Caesarea, because that was a way of honoring all the Caesars who ruled from Rome, Julius Caesar and Brutus Caesar and Augustus Caesar and Sid Caesar and all the Caesars ruling from Rome and Philippi after himself. Caesarea, Philippi, it's like Charlottea, Talbot High. That's exactly what Philip does. And, 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 and so now all of a sudden, it, th this incredible hot zone, it's not just the, this, the center of idol worship. It's not just a red light district. Now it's like Washington, D.C. So, so all of this stuff, re religious idolatry and sexual promiscuity and political chicanery, all of it in this one place on steroids. And so when Luke just happens to lob in this geographical note, he's telling us everything. He's telling us this conversation is getting ready to happen in a region of the world where for hundreds of years, there'd been no rules. Where for hundreds of years, when it came to religion and faith, there was no right answer. It was a free for all. It was you do you and I'll do me and let the East just be true to our inner selves and all that kind of thinking that's so common today. That's where this conversation happens. Don't tell me geography. Context is everything we talk about here, CIE. And it's not just the words on the page. It's actually the locales where these stories take place. So with all that going on around him, in a place with, with never any absolute answers, but only relative truths, look what Jesus does in the next phrase. On the way, he asked them, meaning his 12 inner circles, who do people say that I am? I love that. So, but hey, What's the buzz going on out there around me? What, what are people saying that I am? Who are people saying that I am? And, and his disciples answer by, by letting him know that he's polling pretty well with the man on the street. Because look what it says in verse 28. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. So, okay, there, there, there's a long line of, of great religious figures people are saying, Elijah, Moses, and the prophets, and, and you, Jesus, you, you're probably next in the line. You might be the best. You might be the smartest. We don't know, but that's, that's what people are saying out there. And, and honestly, it, it must have been so tempting for both questioner, Jesus, and questioned the disciples to, to stop right there. Hey, because isn't it interesting, isn't it fascinating how often we become preoccupied with how other people are answering the question? With, with what other people are doing with this information? I think about what happens out in the lobby a lot here that people will stop by and they'll want to encourage me about a message and they'll whisper to me, you know, I really, really wish my son or my spouse or my boss or my brother had been here today. I really wish that. And I'm always like, but 
but you were here. And, and so we, we get so preoccupied with what other people are saying. And it could have been so tempting for everyone to get a trophy for Jesus to stop it right there. Okay, that's what people are saying. That's good enough. But, but Jesus doesn't settle for that. Instead, look at what he does next. He, 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 he moves right past this idea that many are optional and he, he asks about the one who is essential. And look what he says in verse 29. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Oh, man. That one question in time that's going to be asked for all time. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? And not to be melodramatic, but that is a question that every human being is going to have to answer in this life or the next. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? When it would have been so tempting in the middle of this hot zone for you do you and I'll do me and let's all just live our own truth. Jesus doesn't let him get away with that. But what about you? Who, who do you say that I am? And Peter in the climactic moment of the entire gospel of Mark, I mean, the whole thing has been building to this moment. Peter barks out the answer and look what he says. And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Peter says. Everybody else says, you're, you're just one of many Peter has the courage to say, no, 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 no. You are the one and only. Everyone else is, is waiting. Oh, Jesus has, he's just the next messenger. And Peter's like, no, you're the message. Everyone else is, is just like, oh, we just wanted someone to show us, show us some love. And, and Peter's like, no, you're the one who is Love in a, in a you do you world, a world of relative kinds of truths. And Peter actually decides he can't handle the truth. And so he asked that question that, that, that Jesus, you, you know that Jesus asked the question because hello, he is the answer. You are the Christ and there is no other and it leads me here as we think about on this learning curve where with Jesus becoming his apprentices, it lands us at this place that I've just been so eager to tell you for weeks now. There are many questions you may get wrong, but only one you must get right. There, there, there are a lot of questions out there. You can get wrong and you can recover from getting wrong, but there's only one. And that one is, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Only one you must get right. See, you, you can recover. You, you can recover if, if when I asked that question, well, which one's the shortest gospel? And you said, Matthew. And I was like, no, you had to say, what is Matthew? And no, you, you could recover from that. You can even recover from getting it wrong on how many countries border Russia. 
but you, there comes a time and there comes a place for every human being who if we get that question wrong about who do you say Jesus is, there is no recovery. There's many questions that you may get wrong, but only one you must get right. See, uh, some of you may be like, I was years and years and years ago, kind of, and I've told some of you about this before, uh, a, a teenage agnostic, not, not raised in a believing home at all, and, and teenage agnostic slash atheist, and having a conversation where, where my best friend was really laying gospel smack down on me, and I was kind of eager for the question, to, the conversation to end, and so I asked him the question that I was sure was going to stump him. And, and so I, I said, well, what, Philip? His name was Philip, not Philippi, but Philip. Philip, what makes Jesus any different from Muhammad or Buddha or Krishna or Confucius or any of the other great religious leaders in the history of the world? What is so different about Jesus anyway? And that's a question that I bet a lot of you have asked for yourself. And, and, and I thought, I was convinced, I am a high school genius. There's no way he's getting out of this trap. And maybe you're the same way. And he answered very simply, of all those leaders, Jesus is the only one who claimed to be God and then proved it by rising from the dead. Yay. Simple answer. Profound, life-changing impact. There's a lot of questions. You may get wrong. But only one, you must get right. Who do you say that he is? See, when it comes to religion and, and faith, especially in 21st century world, so many of us, we, we kind of want a cafeteria approach. We want a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And we'll take a little bit of that over there. We'll take a little bit of everything but in contrast to a religious cafeteria, actually, the faith of Jesus is a whole lot more like Chick-fil-A. You ever tried to order hamburger at Chick-fil-A? <laughs> Does not work. They do one thing, chicken and they do it brilliantly and Jesus does one thing. He rescues the human race and he does it perfectly. He asks the question because he is the answer. Hallelujah. He is the answer. There's many questions you may get wrong, but only one you must get right. And like I said, all of us, all of us are going to come face to face with that question. And, and some of you may even be holding out. You may even be like, oh, uh, uh, there's, there's time. There's, I, I'm not sure now, or I've put them on pause now, or I said yes 20 years ago, but then I ran away and I'll come back eventually. And maybe, maybe you're even holding out. Well, uh, he, he's, he's such a God of love that, that even if after I die, I haven't answered this question yet, he'll give me another chance. And Hebrews 9, Chapter nine, verse 27 says, it is appointed for man once to die and then to face judgment. And so the reality is, is, is that since all of us, when, when we die or when Jesus comes back, we will have that moment with him. 
where he asks, who did you say I was? Doesn't it make sense to get in practice now? Since this is the question in time asked for all time, doesn't it make sense to say yes to Jesus as the Savior today? Just a moment, because we couldn't finish a church service like this or a question like we've been asking without giving you an opportunity to say yes. In just a moment, I'm going to say some just three words, Jesus is Lord. And, and, and if you would like to say with Peter, you are my Lord. We're going to invite you to stand up. Not, not yet, but when, when I say those words, we're going to invite you to stand up. And some, some of you are already standing up on the inside. You're like, get on with it. And others of you are like, how can I, how can I stand up in front of all these people I don't know? And the truth is there is no better group of people around whom you could stand up. You'll be surrounded by people who've been bought by Jesus and saved by Jesus and want to encourage you in your growth in his kingdom. And others of you have tuning in online and you might not be able to stand up exactly where it is that you're tuning in, but we'd love for you just to type in Jesus is Lord when I say those words as an indication that you are saying yes to Jesus. And I know there's a handful of you here and you think I'm too young, I, I can't decide. Yeah, you can, you're never too young. And some of you might even have been, I'm, I'm too old, there is too much water under my bridge. I've done too much and gone too far. Don't believe that lie. It's never too late. You're never too gone. Jesus who's not a way, he's the way, who's not a messenger, he's the message. Always, always invite you home. So you ready? Just a moment. When, when I say those words, Jesus is Lord, we wanna invite you to be just delighted to be able to say yes to him. And you'll be amazed at how all this works. So you ready? The words are, Jesus is Lord. And who would like to say yes to him today? Jesus is Lord. Thank you over there. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you back there. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you there in the front. Hallelujah. God is good. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you. Y'all stay standing. God is so good. Thank you, stay standing, I see you. God bless you, hallelujah. God is so good, thank you.